right, Luca Nation. New setting. Tons, tons, tons to talk about. Uh, it's it's a completely new setup, so I'll apologize for this entire week. If there's any issues with audio quality streaming or anything like that, please know it's a one-week thing, and we will be back to regular schedule programming next week. So welcome back to Lucas Tigers and Bronze, the best sports card podcast in the world. And there's a the plethora. The only one you should be listening to. The only one. The, I mean, the only one. Every, everybody else is competing for a distant second. Philly show. Mm-hmm. Crazy NFL weekend. Mm-hmm. We've got an awesome topic I want to ask you about. Uh, there was a video circulating about hobby shops and their relevancy. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, I got, got one fun- right off the bat, though. Let's rock. One for, for the first minute. Because what people tell me they love the most about you is they like to hear about your life. They like to hear about you blowing up bathrooms and, you know, <sighs> drug sniffing dogs in Atlanta. They like to hear, you know, like to hear the goings on of Andrew. Um, so you were supposed to fly home. You were not supposed to stay in Philly. What was it that changed your mind? What made you stay in the friendly confines of Philly? Because we Dude, all know I immediately you're... regretted it. I literally already regretted it. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. Well, because uh, I make decisions with my heart instead of my yeah. brain. And not, I mean, it's cold. Let's start with that. Like, you know, you, you decided to stay where it's 45 degrees instead of where it's 80. So let's just start with that. So what is it? Is it, you, you miss your, your sister's home, so you miss hanging out with her. I know you guys, you know, you guys are close. You know, did the parents give you a little bit of the old Ukrainian guilt? What happened? No, I'm, I'm a natural giver. I'm a natural giver. You know, I want to give, give, give. I want to take care of people. I want to make people happy. Uh, I'm, I struggle to do the cause effect sometimes. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, I need to realize that when I give so much, <laughs> I need to make sure that I, I'm all good. No, I, I just miss family. I, uh, we have um, our family, friends, cousins, my mom's best friend from growing up. Uh, they just immigrated from Ukraine mm-hmm. well, when the war happened. So the men are still in Ukraine fighting the battle, but the women, they went through Poland to Germany and they recently got their social security number and they were able to come here. So they're staying with us and it felt like they needed the help. It felt right. like Listen this was a me. very unique opportunity. So let's That's tough it out thing, for right? a week. You let's tough it out for the what's week. really going on in Ukraine. You get to talk to some family, some friends, you know, I mean, who knows when, if ever you ever get an opportunity to do that, spend time with your family, the holidays are approaching. It's a good time of year for it. You know, um, you know, recharge the batteries. We got some fun stuff coming down the pike for us. So go ahead. That was my one topic just because it was a little bit of a surprise. Like, I thought we'd be talking at a different time today. I thought, you know, there'd be an airplane. I hope that this episode would be a raucous, like, hey, I, I rolled a big fat J and they stopped me at, you know, the airport. They don't stop I that. Remember drink. when Vic Remember when Vic got stopped because he put it, like, under his water bottle? What a dumb place to put it. Yeah, just put I mean, it in your bag. They don't care. I mean, the dumbest thing was any athlete of that stature shouldn't be holding their own weed. Like, there should be someone in the entourage whose title is official weed holder for Michael Vick. Like, that should be it, you know? Like Snoop's official weed roller. Somebody, yes. That that would be – that's that's the deal. But people love those stories, man. And we, we didn't – we were robbed of an airport story. Um, those do record numbers. So I just wanted to see what it was that kept you here. Cage, I, I wish you would it. see the Trenton Airport. So let me paint this picture. So I was going to go in and see if they could move my flight. Mm-hmm. 45 minutes before takeoff, all the staff from the check-in goes downstairs to do double duty on helping people go into the plane. So the frontier staff that would normally be at ticketing, mm-hmm. 45 minutes before the flight, they don't have enough staff, so they go downstairs. Wow. Lovely. It's that kind of effort. It's, it's tiny. It's the size of maybe 
I don't know, a gym. But that's cool, though. I mean, it's got to be easy to get through. You know, you're not easy. like JFK where, you know, no. you got to get there three hours early. You know, that's no good. Um, no, but it was an amazing weekend, man. Uh, I took your advice, right? Like, sometimes getting out of your own house, it's cold. You have to spend some money. Uh, but getting to the show, it was it was such a good vibe. And I got to I gotta give a, a shout out to the organizer of the Philly show. They do an amazing job to welcome people. They had coffee, breakfast for the dealers, carpet for Cage. And yeah. honestly, one of the coolest moments was <laughs> when you'd stop to Ian and said, look at this carpet. This is all your father cares about. I want yeah. sons. This is all. This is it. <laughs> it was so oh, much good. fun. It was so much fun hanging out with Ian. And as we were doing that, so we got the chance to rip some packs with Ian. As we were doing that cage, Chuck Liddell came and sat down next to us. Yep. Like it's pretty just to talk, just to yeah. have a casual conversation. Uh, shout out to the card bully who we met there. That was pretty awesome as well. Met a lot of amazing people. So. It's fun it to watch really, really... the shows happen, right? You know, like Kyle Schwarber is about to leave, but somebody, you know, family drove down, you know, from, you know, wherever it is, a couple hours away, just got there late, had bought their tickets in advance, and you got, you know, the, the guys who run the show basically are, like, telling Schwarber's people, like, well, have them wait two minutes. And then, you know, they run him over. He takes a picture with the family. He takes a picture, you know. You and Ian are opening cards on the couch. And behind you is Kyle Schwarber taking pictures with this family that just got there, you know, before he runs out and leaves. I mean, it, it, it's cool to see all that stuff kind of get put together. Um, you know, talk about, you know, those kids that are talking at school this week. I got to take a picture with Kyle Schwarber instead of, oh, man, you know, we got stuck in traffic and we missed Kyle Schwarber by five minutes. And the difference between those two stories and that week for that kid are all the guys who were running that show. So, Kudos to them. Um, what was look, Ian's highlight of the trip? It's funny. I dropped him at school this morning, and, you know, the before school folks are asking him, hey, what would you think? He's like, I talked to some people. I forgot all their names already. <laughs> 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 so Ian's favorite part of the trip was teaching you how to make a sale. That's what he would tell if he was here. So let me go off here. You know, everybody loves how I kind of give you a little bit of shit. So I'm going to give you guys a little, a little, little like, telltale of – of Saturday. And then Andrew was there Sunday by himself. So he can give you a little Sunday. He could probably also correct my version of this story, but here, here goes shows. Sometimes you have to have a little bit of a thick skin because you're walking around with your Zion case. Like Andrew walks around with a Zion case and he, um, you know, you've, you've curated a collection of cards that you thought were good to buy at some point in time. You thought they were good to bring to the show. And so every table you walk up to, you know, you expect they're going to be like, whoa, let me see these. These are pretty awesome. Obviously, look, look, we've got a winner here. He brought over a bunch of cards we want, and we want to pay more than comps on all of them. I got to give Andrew credit. He walks right up to a table and says, hey, interested in buying, interested in selling, trading, whatever it may be. And I would say about a third of the time, people were no. People were just a no, right? They were like, ah, not buying, you know trade to really depends on what you got you got some real liquid stuff you know some of the tables that you saw that had more than one table or some of the tables that you saw that had you know a lot of people there you could tell they're doing a churning of stuff andrew would spend some time over there and you know he'd show his his cards he'd show his box of cards and you know he'd maybe try to come close to a deal i give him a lot of credit if they were you know a little far apart and the dealer wouldn't come close to where andrew wanted Nope, I'm going to walk. I'm going to maybe find somebody else. He didn't just cave and, you know, give a price on it. I will say this. One critique I have of Andrew's style is this, okay? And I got to buy you some. If anyone's listening to this, that's a supply company. 
Um, Humongous Horde, I think, was one that I, I picked up with, I think, from that show. But every supply company, the plastic sleeves that you put around slabs, like SGC slabs, that guy was tossing them around. slabs, you name it. I heard Andrew on three different occasions tell a dealer who was stacking his slabs, like because Andrew just gives the case over and gives us, and the guys are like they're 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 calculating, and some people put post it. They think they're poker it. chips. They're like they're like shuffling the poker. Literally, chips. the slabs are just being kind of tossed around. I think one even hit a, hit the floor, and and each time I heard Andrew like, "Hey, take it easy with those. Like, take take it easy with those because they're still." I yours. even said like, "Did those slabs do something to you? Yeah, like, are you mad at them?" So when that gets said, at that point in time, when you say to a dealer who you're looking to offload these slabs to, they're basically his once he gives you a price. When you say to them, hey, take it easier. Hey, did those slabs beat you up or stop stop roughhousing my slabs? Automatically, you have to realize that deal is probably tougher now than it was 10 seconds ago. Once you say that, that, okay, so now this is the teaching, the learning lesson here, right? Those deals are like, well, he's devaluing my slab so he get paid less. I get for it. I get it. So let's we're just, playing chess. What we're gonna learn from here is let's wrap the slabs. I bought a bag of, of PSA slab once. It was four dollars for a hundred of them. It cost the thing is cents. that when they're wrapped in plastic, you can't stack them as well. Okay, you're right. And that, can't. It gives you a little. Uh, it's like I okay. love the stackability of the slabs. So the stackability is great. You're going to have to then balance out that you may miss out on a deal with someone who's poker chipping your stuff because when they hear you say, "Hey, what are you doing on there?" Your question. You're in their world now. You're telling a blackjack dealer that they're not dealing the cards the right way. They're, I am not and, in their world. We're yeah. we're in neutral territory. We're in Switzerland. Okay, but you're asking them for either a, a cash buy or the whole deal. I'm giving you gotta, value. You know what it is? It's like when you walk into a show and you say, why are these guys not buying me continental breakfast? I'm coming to the show here. I mean, people <laughs> got to take care of me. So you're walking up to their table that they paid for, asking them to make a deal with you, and then tell them, you're being rough with the, with the merchandise, fella. You break it, you buy. You break it, you buy, you know? So that was my one takeaway. What's funny is I watched this happen a couple times, and Andrew made no deals, none. And Ian had this little box, and this is another fun little tidbit that Ian, if he was here, he would tell you. Andrew walks up. He's a friggin' pro. He's a killer. He walks up with this fancy Zion case. He's got his cards nice. He looks the part. He's all done up, right? He's, he, he's Andrew, man. You can just look at him, and it's like he has a sh- – when he walks up to a table, the dealer knows, all right, this guy, I think he might be trying to pull one over on me. I got to get my game up now. I is that the vibe sure. I give off? That's the 100% the vibe. It's like, all right, I got I to gotta really look at the comps. Meanwhile, Ian pulls up with his slabs in an SGC cardboard box. Some of them have plastic on them. Some of them have writing on them, like a, like a post-it note that's got a comp from three years ago. He's just got he's, he's got a pack of penny sleeves in his box that he hands over. He's got some Pokemon cards that are ripped in half. And he hands it to the so give me a little credit. He waited for you to do your deal. And he's like, okay, I'm gonna show, I'm gonna look at this. You even took out the maxi card to try to help him. The guy's like, oh, everybody wants to dump maxi. Ian pulls the maxi back. You're trying to work a deal at a table. Ian sees another table. He says, Hey, I'll bet you I can he tells me, I'll bet you can make a deal with this guy. He doesn't even have showcases. I said, All right, I'll go ahead over. But the guy's got a lot of people at his table, a lot of a lot of workers, a lot of people making deals, and he's basically just you can see he's buying cards, putting them on his table, and selling cards. Just a lot of like inventory moving in and out and in and out. And Ian gives him the stuff, he gives the guy the box, the guy stacks him up and says, Can I give you a price for all of them? And he's like, Of course, you know, I know I'm not gonna get 
comps on this and blah, blah, blah. And, and they didn't, he didn't buy them all. Some of the prices Ian didn't want to take. And Ian sold like four or five cards for like 700 bucks or 650 bucks or whatever it was. Passed on a couple, you name it. And after he was done, you walked over and said, oh, you just made a deal over here? Let me see it. And you went over and made a deal with the exact same guy. You broke the ice for you. And you took Thank you, Ian. like two hours. <laughs> it was a monstrous We were deal. at a standoff. It was, it was a standoff. <laughs> so tell well, us about your deal. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to go get the business card of this guy and show it and give him a little shout out on here. Because you, got you know his what business I did? Card? I took his business card because I wanted to give him a shout out. Because not only was he fair in dealing with Ian, but this guy has patience. Little, I'm not two hours in exaggeration. You were there for What if hours. I have patience? You have patience too. You well, have more patience than most hospitals. Don't leave but me so talking to a monologue in a monologue, and I'm, I'm talking to a It'll brick wall. It'll take two seconds. It'll take two seconds. You're not that fast. All right, well, you count. I know where. All it right, is. fine. While Cage leaves, I'll, I'll explain the stage I'm at. So I love business, but the hobby in a lot of ways is new to me, especially the hobby today. It's not the same hobby that it was in the '90s when I was collecting as an eight, nine, ten, eleven year old. Almost fell. Not fat. Broke my fat ass. See, that was quick. so. My goal here. Yeah. truthfully, is not to make money on these slabs. Well, my goal is to watch the eyes of the dealer and to see how they react to the cards I've been buying. And over a year, two, three years, I'll understand this industry much better. So you're I learning. love this industry. Yeah, I love this industry. I love business. I love being able to make deals. I love sports. I love prospecting. I love being right. And I love being wrong when like, we'll talk maybe about Mahomes and Burrow and stuff. So for me, I'm at a stage where I understand my inadequacies as a um, collector investor in this hobby and mm -hmm. i understand if i want to get from here to where i want to be i need to learn right so my goal at going into these shows is not to make hundreds of thousands of dollars thousands of dollars to pay off my trip my goal is to try not to lose money while Correct. learning as quickly as possible and this is a big lesson guys andrew's been all about this it's all about like this is like tuition he says it's like i'm paying tuition like this is like college i'm going there 100%. and i'm learning i'm getting that experience the whole deal now what's funny is some people recognize us some people definitely recognize the guys we made deals with. I mean, Santiago, you made a deal with, like, you know, they know who we are. But this particular individual who bought from Ian, I stood back, let Ian do his deal and bought from me. I don't think he knew who we were and definitely wasn't doing this to, like, get a shout out that he's about to get. So if anyone listening knows top line sports cards, there's the business card. I even put the QR code up. Cards. Follow on what <laughs> top line sports cards with his Jersey guy, Jersey Shore guy. Okay, but I'm going to zoom in, and I didn't know this until I got home, and I looked at the card, and I said, you know what, I'm going to have to give these guys a shout-out because they were good. They were fair with Ian. Can you see what the guy's name is? Ian Castro. Ian. Can you believe that? Ian made oh. a deal with a dude named Ian. Pretty cool, right? Anyway, so there you go. Top-line sports cards with a Z. Gets a, 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 little free, a little free publicity there on the Luca Nation podcast here. And you listen, you made a good deal there, I think. Uh, well, well, I'll explain. Mm -hmm. uh, we were at a collectible dinner maybe a year and a uh, last national, not the 2021 national. And we were met with the guys at PC Sports Cards. And one of the advice they had is don't think of each deal as its own thing. Think of it as a chain of deals. So that deal put about 1200 bucks of cash in my pocket. Mm -hmm. The following day, Cage, yep. um, and it was a dealer I met the, the night before, the day before. But the following day, I made a deal. I bought a Curry on-card auto NT jersey number right and he's yep. a collector he collects curry autos so i came back to him and i traded that card plus a little extra and the cash i got 750 because i needed that cash to get a whole lot of brady patch cards that mm -hmm. i went and i immediately consigned 
through someone, you know, there's consigners there who have eBay stores. And I got an Mbappe Silver Select rookie card. So this is and the I other was thing, able by the to way. do that deal because I had the cash in my pocket from the deal that I made earlier. I can tell you where those Brady's were and where the Mbappe was because what's funny is you made your deal for those on Sunday, but I saw you find them on Saturday yep. and you were talking to people about making trades. And basically, so what, what Andrew's talking about here, guys, and it's actually you know pretty fun, is he tried to make a deal with his cards and cash for that Mbappe. He tried to make a deal with his cards for those Brady's. He couldn't. But what he did was he sold some of his cards, got some cash, made some trades, got some other cards, and then the next day went back with his cash and other cards and got the Brady's and the Mbappe that he couldn't trade his original stuff for. It took an extra step, right? It's like you couldn't do A straight to C. You had to put a B in the middle of it, which is, I mean, it's a cool lesson, especially if you're there, you know, being able to do this stuff on back-to-back days. Was it fun? Did you enjoy doing it's it? It's a ton of fun because it's progress over perfection, right? So, like, I, I met with someone a few weeks ago, and they're like, you know, like, I know the hobby's going through a downturn. Like, I just don't want to see you leave the hobby. I think you have a lot of potential. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I enjoy this. I love sports. I've always loved gambling. This is, like you said, it's a form of gambling, but it's much more – it's much more um, safe and – in your control right mm-hmm. so you have that at it and it's the the rush you get for making a deal so i'm not going anywhere i just have to learn right because there will be a point in time where i have kids a family i will get into vintage i will learn vintage but right now i'm enjoying the process of learning how to make deals on the floor and I, i'm having a blast i'm having so much fun i can't wait until as part of these deals one out of 10 cards or one out of 20 cards you grab becomes that that pc card so that it's not just a flip game. It's not just that stuff. It's that you're pulling out a Jamar Chase relic that you really like or a Kobe relic. You're like, you know what? I got back from SGC um, this month, and um, and I, I'm just I'm going to keep it. This wasn't like, let me get a good grade. I'm, obviously, I would rather have a better grade, but let me get I bought this card raw, and I graded it with SGC, and it is going to stay in my collection. It's my first logo man, and I have a logo Hobo. man. George Gervin. That's man. sick. Isn't that cool? That's so sick. Isn't that a cool little... People don't realize how good George Gervin was. The Iceman. And Ian and I, you know, talk about George Gervin and the history of basketball and stuff. And we'll go, we'll play outside and we'll do a finger roll. And he'll say, George Gervin, you know, and he'll do a finger roll. And, you know, he'll say, the Iceman. So this is, I'll just put this in a, a different box. This goes in the, you know, the PC, the collection. I bought it raw. I paid less than a hundred dollars for it raw because even though it's a it's it's a quote logo man. I think there's ninety yeah there's ninety nine of these. This is number sixty three of ninety nine. It's a thick card in a thick slab. They usually don't grade this well, but the auto is you know on canvas. It's a nice auto for being on it's fabric. A cool looking auto on fabric. It's got a ten auto with a nine five mint plus grade for the card, and it's just you know I'll keep that now. It's a cool card um, that we just hang on to and. So if you're able to make a couple of these deals for cards, maybe you throw in one of those PC cards that, you know, it makes the deal work. If you're 20 bucks away and you're getting screwed out of 20 bucks, as long as you're paying 20 bucks extra for a card like that, that you, you got that for fun. $20. No, I, I think I paid like $80 for this for and that. Yeah. Yeah. For a yeah, George Gervin auto. Yeah. Yeah. 
That, look, that up, I mean, look me. it up. Look it up on eBay. That scares me a lot, Kate. I definitely didn't pay a hundred bucks for. I definitely, you know, I definitely paid less than a hundred dollars for. I could find you the exact number. Um, wow. I wasn't playing. I, I right before you you messaged like, hey, let's record. I was like, let me grab this. It's a you know, it's a new newly graded thing. Let me show you know one of the things that I got here just because, you know, I mean, I don't show off. I have stupid cards like that. You know, what I mean, they're not like. I don't Ooh. think that's a stupid card at all. That's a, that's a, one of the greatest fifty players of all times. Yeah. Auto. I guess you can't call that on card. Let's let's move real quick. Did you get a chance to see the the video by Eric Whiteback that Card Porn posted about how in the sneaker industry only select stores that qualify get the best Jordans, and that hobby shops are in for a world of reckoning? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, listen, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it's interesting how uh, last week's uh, darling is this week's um, crazy person. And I think Cardboard posting that with Eric Whiteback, no one knew who he was. I had actually spoken to Eric Mary many times over Twitter. Actually, before his thread, remember the thread about, you know, the prices and all the craziness that blew up and Dara Ravel and everybody was retweeting Eric Whiteback, collectible crew. No one knew who the hell he was. Um, I was actually talking to him about potentially, you know, coming on the show, doing his own show with us and the whole deal. He's got a heck of a following on TikTok. But he was being held out and reposted as like the collectible guru. Look what he says about this. And there's this many of this. And, and look at all the look at all the crazy. And and now it's he's nuts. That's not going to happen to hobby shops. There's no way that we're going to let that happen. Right. Nobody knows what's going to happen. I don't know what Fanatics is going to do. Um, obviously I've been saying all along that fanatics will take a measured approach to everything that they do. Uh, they want people to be educated. They're, they're sitting on the sidelines and watching, and I think they're going to figure out the right way to do it. Um, do I think that there will be some form of, uh, preferred vendors, preferred hobby shop, preferred breaking? Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you, if you were them, wouldn't you come up with, you know, Hey, these are the guys who have had a contract for the longest time with tops. These are the guys who get the most stuff. These are the guys who have, you know, never said no to buying anything that we've ever offered them. You know, there's got to be a way to reward people. We talked about it last week with like, you know, the, the, the top shot VIPs and blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, you know, there are hobby stores that do more than other hobby stores, just like there are other sneaker stores that sell more volume of the less desired sneakers, you know, and, and they move stuff. You have to take care of those people. You have to take care of the people who take care of you. That's kind of, you know, just the way of the world. And in, in a way, hobby shops are an extension of the products they sell, right? So yeah, the better run, better, like that's, that's a subjective word, but better run those are, the better it looks on the manufacturer that makes the product, right? Yeah. I mean, listen, I don't know if they still do it, but I used to remember, I remember as a kid walking into hobby stores and some of them had on their door, upper deck authorized dealer and it meant something you know what i mean like that guy you knew you were getting upper deck products you could pre-order upper deck from them you know you know you're always gonna be able and the store that didn't have it you know the thought was as a kid i'm, I'm gonna pay more at the store that doesn't have that on that door because they have to buy it from a reseller so there's a middleman involved they're not an authorized upper deck dealer i'm gonna i might as well just go to the authorized upper deck store and buy my upper deck product there because i'm gonna get it for five dollars or ten dollars cheaper I don't know whether or not that was really the case, but that's as a kid, that's what I thought, you know? So, you know. An experienced dealer described the Philly show as this was a good pre-COVID show. And it, okay. it's, it's, everything has come full circle. It, it really has. It's, it's shot up to the moon and it's come back down. And I have, I have a question for you. Any thoughts on the PPP loans? Because when I saw that info and depending what your guys' ethical and unethical opinion is on it, 
because uh, I, I do have some thoughts as someone who my dad ran a cafe, got closed down during COVID. We didn't qualify for PPP loans. Uh, it, it does sting a bit from that standpoint. But what it showed me was it, it showed me full circle, if I'm looking at it objectively, where the run up came from. Right. Because they say a fool and his money is are soon parted. Right. And the second thing is when things come free, they're not valued. And in one way or another, whichever way you guys skin it, the PPP loans, the twelve hundred dollars everyone got was free money. That was money that no one expected, no one counted on. And when you get free money, we often spend it recklessly. And time and time and time and time again during those last two years, we talked about how could that be a comp? Who would pay for that? Why would someone pay for that? That's so irrational. It's it's shot up to the moon. Remember those conversations? Of course. Now we at least know why. I mean, it's a jump. We don't you think know that's a, that's a yeah. leap of logic. Yes, I mean, I, I do think it's a, at least slightly a leap of logic. Um, I don't know that that the people who are been who've been called out for you know taking PPP loans took every dollar of that and went out and bought cards with it. I don't know that. Oh um, no, no, I'm, I'm not accusing them of taking that money and, and spending it on uh, on the cards, but like. They might have not taken that specific money. They might have put that money back in the business, but now their business has that much more money. And when they take a distribution, now they have more profit. So my take on it is It this. still hits the bottom line, whichever way you skin it. I will not go after any of these companies. I read an article, 91% of PPP loans were forgiven by the United States government. I mean, so I'm sure that the people who are- Mostly on the 50K other end, and above, right? Just correct, about that. 50K and above, yes. So the small businesses did, did not fare as well as the larger ones as far as forgiveness went. And it forgave the, all the interest accrued and all that other fun stuff too. I, I guess what I would say is this. I would imagine that to be forgiven the loans- Everything had to be above board. They had to be able to say what they used the money for and say, you know, that it was utilized for uh, covered expenses, payroll, rent, you name it, the whole deal. And, and you know, if that's the case, then, you know, but, but are... Walk through this with me because uh, yeah. I'm not saying that it's unethical. I'm really not. But uh... – I know what you're saying. So let me loans. finish. You ready? I think, I okay, think, I apologize. I apologize. No, no. So I think what you're saying is correct. So we came on here and we talked about stimmies. You used to make fun. Like, oh, we're getting the stimmy. Right? The right. hobby's going to be good. We just need another 1200 We got that 1200 coming. Right? I didn't get any stimmy, right? I, you didn't. Your cafe didn't get the money. And, you know, it stung a little bit. And you're like, wow, this guy's got 1200 bucks. And we used to be like, those Zions, they're going to go up because what are people going to do? They got that 600 coming. They got that 1200 right. coming. That stimmy is going to go right into the market. And we've seen it with other magic fair, you know, airdrop fairy, you know, the NFT was bolstered. It's raining money. About it. And last week, I'm sure that the Panini VIPs that got the money, the prices went up a little bit for people who got that free dapper, you know, on Top Shot and, and you know, the free packs that, that Panini put out and all that fun stuff, right? There's more money, more money. So I think that this is that to the nth degree that I think that some of these businesses had more money. To inject into the hobby, sure. And I think that that, on a larger scale, um, it could be an explanation for some of the, you know, some of the craziness we saw at a time where that craziness, it was, it was uh, not exactly what you'd expect. It was just, it was just comps or purchases that we'd be like, why would someone buy a card that last year was forty and now it's one hundred eighty-nine thousand, for example? But, but Cage, the, the PPP loans were meant to help businesses who 
were hit hard by COVID. But there's no way that the people that were reviewing those loans could know which industries were doing well versus which were doing poorly. When COVID first hit, if you remember, a really successful businessman came in and said, chicken little, the sky's falling. I don't know what's going to happen, right? Yes. Yeah, I remember. And then we had the bet. Our industry, compared to other industries like restaurant industry, et cetera, actually boomed. So Correct. those businesses made more money. And then they unknowingly to the people who were giving the PPP loans, now they were injected with money to pay for payroll. So you could still take that money and pay for payroll, but you just your profit goes up. Your profit significantly right, goes up. I guess what I would say on it is this, right? Like there you could say that, but what if these companies they didn't get to go to shows? Shows were canceled. So even though they did well, they would have done even more. Had they gone to shows, had they gone to events, had they been able to be out there taking cards in, you name it, the whole nine yards. So I, I, it's great to paint with such a broad stroke and be like, these companies did well. They shouldn't have taken that money. They, it's, it's crazy. But, they, get, they didn't get hurt because they were online businesses. Yeah, but they probably – not all of them are. I mean people have in-person employees. You know what I mean? And maybe those in-person Her, employees Burbank, couldn't – Maybe those in-person employees couldn't come into the store, right? The California ones, you name it, right? The, the whole deal. Listen, here's here's my take on it, right? Um, the movie Cinderella Man, Jim J. Braddock. One of the coolest scenes in there I've talked about a bunch of times was, you know, he was a fighter during the Depression, and you know, uh, was was was, you know, was on welfare, and you know, when they when they when they asked him, you know, what was he fighting for? He said, I, I know what I'm fighting for now, milk. You know what I mean? Like, you know, he, and he finally started to make some money and actually won the title. And after he got his first payday with enough money to actually like pay off all of his debt, he went back to the welfare office and repaid them all of the money that they had given him. Now, it takes a lot to do that. Not, no not, one uh, does not that. That does not happen. Like, those, that does not happen. That is, I don't, I, I, I assume it happened. I'm sure, you know, that they didn't just inject that into the movie. I heard that story before the movie about Jim J. Braddock. That doesn't happen. And he didn't have to do that. He didn't owe that money back because he was entitled to that money under the rules as they were when he got that money. It's the same thing for all these companies. I, Listen, here's one of those things. I can tell you I'm not taking the stance because I have some company that took PPP loans. I'm not a company. I'm a person. I work for a company. The company I work for might have taken PPP. I have no idea what the story is. But I, what I'm going to tell you is I'm sure a lot of people in the hobby took those loans. And some of them probably needed them. I'm sure there's a, a, a varying scale of how much these companies needed them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Some of them probably didn't need them as much. And I think that's the point you're trying to make. I guess the bigger point is we should all be aware of the things that were going on behind the scenes in 2020 and early 2021, when all of a sudden there was this injection infusion of cash that maybe made some of these things go a little haywire. It's, it's trickle down economics, literally at its finest. But, but I'll say like a quote that I always think to myself that I love is like, like a kid goes up to his dad and he's like, dad, like this happened at school. Like it's not fair, you know? And, and I always hear it's like, who told you life's supposed to be fair? Right. Who told you life's supposed to be fair? So like from like the business side, the cafe side, I'm like, man, that does, that's, it does not feel like very fair, right? Like we're actually a business that struggled. Our, the train station got shut down. We had to shut, close our doors. We could have really benefited from that. It's funny. We actually got a call about that today versus I just put that two and two together. I didn't even realize that until I, versus a lot of businesses that benefited, but 
I have lived my life as a victim at times and as a hero in my own life. And I don't like the victim victim route because it won't lead me to where I want to go regardless, right? Love it. No, no one's going to hear you complain, cry, and be like, man, it's not fair and come and save you. They're, they're, no one's going to knock on your door and be like, you're right, those PPP loans weren't fair. Here's a check for 150 k Correct. That's not happening. No one's coming to save you. So you just got to play, play the, play the hand as it is. That's where I kind of go with it. I love but it. it. Does, but it does hurt from the other standpoint that I said. It's newsworthy. I mean, I don't, I don't hate on anybody putting it out there, but you know, I mean, to me, it's that's hobby news that's gone tomorrow. Unlike, I'm he, thinking, what, what, does, like, does he get any credit here? Do I? Do we get a clippable moment about like World Cup? preview before the games even started and cage says you know that plus 3000 is too much for the croatian team that's returning with their entire roster from the last year when they went to the finals and they're a dark horse to really go far in this tournament because they play together and they know each other you know it's a weird non-summer you know weird event and you know you got to give teams like them that have played together know each Did other they win the world cup no but i just said they're they were three games far. away but they're in the quarterfinals. I mean, they definitely have played. You know, they definitely have gone further than anybody thought they were going to go. Besides this guy, I, right I would I, jobs not finished like times four on that on my reply. But Dude, I mean, great call. You to were get on here, filleting Adams and Pulisic, and okay, basically talking talk about, about how the great they were. And you know, I mean, they didn't make it this far. Let me ask you: What has been the general consensus theme of media talking about USA? What have they said about the USA team after that game? I have I stopped watching. I am a fake US fan. I was okay. there while they were drawing because they weren't really winning. I've um, seen Buckhalter um uh Van Gaal ate Buckhalter's lunch. Have you seen that quote? Who's Buckhal and Buckhalter? Van Gaal is the coach of the Netherlands and Hector uh an ESPN analyst was like he ate, you know. So uh, he was out coached uh, is what people He was out coached. Okay. I'll strategize. I haven't seen anybody talk about how impressive this U.S. team was. And that's because what I'm lost. leaving. This uh, very short-sighted, and I'm honestly questioning the media that covers the, the World Cup if, if that's how they're viewing this. So this was the second youngest team going in. This was a U-22 men's national team, basically. These were all very young guys who were playing their first World Cup, which is incredibly, incredibly challenging, just in its, in its own right. USA is not a soccer power in its own right either. Of course. And what I saw in this World Cup is a true identity of a soccer team and a team that came together. And this is someone who played soccer from the age of two years old. So here's what I leave with, right? I think that was a very winnable game. And you leave this tournament and you're like, okay, here's some positives, here's some negatives. The positives is they held their own against some of the best teams in the world, against England, against the Netherlands. They created chances. They dominated the midfield. And... Yes, those three errors were bad. Those three errors were kind of those are like called what we call like middle school errors, right? You you just got a man mark, but that will come together because what happens is in these tournaments, what is experience? Experience is when the game slows down, right? Mm -hmm. All of that stuff was happening so fast, they just let runners in the box. Okay, you, you know I think you could great. live with that, but they created chances. They played as a team, and even after that first goal, even after that second goal, stay with me. That was right before the half that was so deflating to us. Huh? They didn't hang their heads as a young team. The second youngest team in the World Cup, they didn't hang their heads. They came back and they battled for another 45 minutes. And I can't believe nobody, nobody in the media talked about that. Do you know what you just did?
What? You took experience and became a vintage collector while I was gambling on ultra modern. Well, I don't understand so, that metaphor. At all. I'll explain. I'll it stay to with you. me, please, please feed me I'll and walk in the water. I mean, this is, it's very easy. It's very straightforward. The media does not care about what the United States team is going to do in 2026. You do. You are a soccer fan. You looked at this team and said, all right, we can build on this. This is something that I can look at as a long-term prospect, a long-term play, because I know that I'm going to be here in 2026 and I'm going to watch these kids play on their club teams and I'm going to watch them come back and play in play for this U.S. team and continue to gel together, continue to get better and learn from what they had in 2022. And in 2026, we're going to see a completely different team go out there, a better team, a team that while they might not win the whole thing is going to be in that conversation. Whereas 90 percent of the world watches soccer once every four years like me. And I'm an ultra modern guy. I came into this saying, Trey Lance, going to make them dance. Let's go with the Croatian team. They're still alive. They're still winning. I can sell my Luka Modric cards. U.S., let's go. They better win the whole thing. And if they don't, they're a disappointment. So it's funny how a little experience, a little knowledge, a little bit of um, know what you're talking about and wider lens, wider view, looks at it a little bit differently than the folks who are just here. Okay, I'm in. I'm watching. I'm a. And I'm leaving. I'll add to that. And this happens with our business. I don't know if you're back, but like. I'm back. So, so with our business, and, and Cage has helped me a lot with this, I'm someone that goes from step one to 10 without step two, three, all the way to nine, right? I, I sometimes want to jump over steps. But you, the reality is, like they say, there's no elevator to the top. You have to take the stairs. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if you take the right steps, you know when the, what, the weakness are, what the weaknesses are and what weaknesses you need to fix. Mm-hmm. So what they need to work on is a striker now. Now they know that they need that. But they also know what they've done well. No, and they don't create a lot of chances from that guy. And there's no one who's crashing the box, you know, even though that that goal by Wright was absolutely insane. But they also are like, wow, Weya, Adams, Musa, Pulisic, that's a good midfield. That's as good of a midfield as we've had in a long time. And in soccer, the midfield, you know, you win the midfield, you win the game. So, I mean, I have a tremendous amount of respect. And then all the criticism for Buckhalter. I judge a coach by getting the most out of the players, right? Like if you have a lot of talent and you underachieve that talent and still finish as a finalist, that's good. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have a lot of talent, you have a young team and you're able to kind of squeeze as much of the juice out of that orange as you can. I thought every player knew his role and he played within himself. I thought they played together as a team. I didn't think they hung their heads once. I think Mm -hmm. there's so much to be proud of. And I think the coach deserves a lot of credit for that. So, um, the, the people who are writing stories about this, they know that their stories will get more views and they'll get more accolades. And hopefully Fine. by 2026, they're not going to be covering soccer anymore. They'll cover a real sport if they get enough headlines and enough clicks. They're not going to write about the team coming together. They're going to write about Fine. how the coach disappointed everyone and let America down and we should Stupid. kick him out of the country. Because that's a better headline just like it's a better headline to talk about PPP loans and how horrible everyone is. Instead of talking about how great the Philly show was, or we do both. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not shitting on you here, but it's funny how, you know, listen, 
in a little while, you'll be in the hobby for many, many years, right? And you're, you're going to be able to speak about it the same way that you're speaking about your soccer, you know, career um, and life in soccer. You'll have a life in the hobby. My hope is that many, many people turn into COVID collectors, turn from COVID collectors to longtime hobbyists as well. And some of the people who are here stay um, and are able to look at this stuff the way you are looking at soccer. I did not look at the 2026 World Cup. And most people who are listening to this didn't also. They're selling their Gavi now. They're selling their Neymars now because he's one goal behind Pele um, in you know Brazil history, mm-hmm. and they're selling their stuff, and and wow, these guys are making their run now. I, I you know I better sell my cards. They're not looking like wow, I'm gonna hold that card till 2026. It, it's one of the plays that I love the most that you gave. You know maybe this week is the week to buy Pulisic, or maybe next week, or maybe in a month when people have totally forgotten about him and people think his he's gold a kaboom jersey number sold for about 3,200. By the way, if you guys are wondering, and, and it brings me to this other point that I'm thinking a lot about. I'm. Um, you remember the XFL? They mm-hmm. would do this thing where they would let one wide receiver sprint through yep. the through through the line of scrimmage. Remember that? So it's motion. You're actually motion. allowed to do it in arena football, also. Where you, in it, arena, there you it's go. It's illegal in the NFL to start towards the line of scrimmage before the snap. They would allow people to kind of take a running start exactly. and be moving towards the line of scrimmage before the ball is snapped. You can't do it in the NFL. That's what I think of this month, guys. That's what I think of this month. All of this distractions and all this stuff. Get it? I get it, man. Dallas show is next month. There's show after show after show after show. The hobby's going it, to – it's the si- same cycles. And while everybody else is distracted, I want to get as much of a running head start to attack 2023 because this is this amazing podcast, right? And there's four ways to win. Ooh. Outwork, uh-huh. out-improve, mm-hmm. out-strategize. So outwork, you could do that immediately. Out-improve, short-term, right? Take some time. Out strategize. That's over a longer period of time, right? Strategy. Outlast. 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 I knew that was coming. That's and what I do. In the reality, when you start in this game, whatever game it is, there's 10 people, 20, 100 people. In a year, you cut that down a half. In two years, you cut that down another half. In three years, you cut that down another half. In five years, it's basically you and one other person. You win by default. And a lot of people don't realize that and they don't set themselves up to be there in five years. So I'm going to throw a quick topic out there for you. Cool. And how much of outlasting is a result of direct competition? Because we can say uh, outlasting today, Brazil outlasted South Korea by beating them <laughs> head to head. You know what I mean? That, it's that's... probably not, not exactly what you mean. They outworked them. They outhustled them. They outlasted them. They outbeat the shit out of them. And in the hobby... I guess my question becomes, everybody expects fanatics to come in and just grow the whole thing so that everybody here can participate in the whole deal. But what we see in, 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 in practice is direct head-to-head competition more often than not. We've, we've recently seen some cool collaboration, right? I mean, Art Basel, you went to, you saw Beckett and eBay and Collectible and you know everybody was kind of mm-hmm. hand-in-hand and doing their thing. Shows. Are the regional slash big shows slash you name it with head-to-head competition with one another? Is there going to be an outlasting and out competition and out battling? I don't know what the hell you're going to call it because you you threw these out words in there and I, I forgot <laughs> three out of the four. I only remember outlast. Um, outwork, but outwork, out, I, out I improve, believe... out strategize, and outlast. Okay, so we're going to just use outlast because that's my favorite one. Outlander was a great 
that's a cool fun thing. Highlander was the 90s, right? No, Outlander's now. Highlander was 90s where they chop heads off. But anyway, so, right? I, I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe that Culture Collision and now the Boston show, you know, Costa Cards, are now the same weekend. Okay. And I know they're not in the same location, and I know one is, you know, northeast and one is southeast and the whole deal. And I believe we're seeing more of that. I think we're seeing more of that, and I think we're going to see more of that in the coming year because there are just 52 weekends in a year. Okay. And I think with okay. all the shows and all these shows having multiple times together, um, we're going to have more than 52 shows when everything is added okay. up and, you know, multiple shows and the whole deal. Are they pitting themselves against each other? Is the hobby going to be forced to choose? Is this a good look, a bad look? What are your thoughts on that? Because uh, which one? I'd the love for you outputs? to discuss this with Black Jaded Wolf on Cage, to be honest, because okay, I think I she'd have a much stronger opinion 100%. than I do. It has never bothered me. I've never understood why, uh, because people are like, you should coordinate, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's in a vacuum, like Gerard, like you fall, right? That's in a vacuum, you sure you shouldn't have a, two shows on the same weekend. But you don't understand that the venue might only have that weekend available. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's a bit short-sighted in my opinion. Sometimes it's just the luck of the draw. It's just how it plays out. Well, I'll and I think we have to Sharon about it. But here's the thing, right? It, it splits up the dealers. It splits up, you know, you're making dealers decide. You're making vendors decide. You're making partners decide. And you're also making them spend twice as much money to not have to decide. You're making a PWCC go to two shows in one weekend. You're making a Golden go to two shows in one weekend. Or pick which show they're going to go to. You're making a Black Jaded Wolf or Pristine or any other people you were dealing with there have to decide which one they go to. And those people have – they have buyers across the country who are like, wait, wait, you're only going to one show that weekend? Why are you not coming to Culture Collision? Why are you not coming to Boston? Which Why, why are you not going to be here? I'm here. I've been waiting this whole time, and it's a big show here in Boston. Why are you not coming to it? There are those type of things to consider. You, I get it. You're like, all right, well, you know, no skin off my ass. But there are a lot of things that go into a show um, that make it very difficult for the business of the hobby if you have competing shows like that. But I, I guess where I'm going with it, it might be inevitable. It might be part of the Outlast thing because I don't know if, if the hobby can sustain the, as many shows as we've seen. And I will. I'll talk to Sharon about it. Please. It's definitely a good topic. It's not something that I – I come from the restaurant business, dude. You know what I mean? Like th- that is the ultimate. It's the easiest to enter. It's – restaurants go in and out all the time. Um, I, I'd love to hear her take and I'd love for us to clip because I don't, I don't want to waste fuel time. The coolest moment of the show though was – so Cage was standing with Chuck Liddell. Mm-hmm. and someone else and someone's walking over and they're like oh i'm the biggest fan oh, of you know, i was they... standing with papelbon i was standing with papelbon. jonathan papelbon and we were talking about him going over to talk to chuck liddell and talk about how he chokeslam bryce hawker and he wanted to see if you know he could show chuck his technique on that chokeslam <laughs> and yes and and somebody walked over and put their hand out I'm standing next to Papa one with a handout and says, Oh, I just wanted to come over and say, you know, what a big fan of yours I was. And before Papelbon could kind of put his hand out, he, the guy moved his hand and shook my hand. I was like, you guys put out such great content. You know, I got kids and you know, it's a, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a really, uh, you know, it's like family friendly. You guys 
do, you don't curse too much. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you know, and, and it's, it's really good stuff. And there's, there's a lot of hobby content. And, you know, I just, I love what you guys do. I could put it on when I'm, you know, when I'm driving, I could put it on when I'm commuting. I could put it on all the time. Just wanted to come over and say what a big fan I was. I was like, dude, appreciate that. And Pavelmon's like, what do you got? Podcast? I do a podcast. I talk about, I talk about baseball all the time. And yeah, he's, he does. I'm prefer- DMing him. I think I'm it's fanatics him. or DraftKings maybe, I think. Yeah, DraftKings maybe. You think we could get Papelbon on the show? Sure. Nicest guy I met. I mean, Chuck was awesome. We got to talk to Chuck. But Papelbon was just, first of all, I made fun of him. And that's how he came over to talk. Because he was like talking to somebody and you could see he was kind of looking like this. And he was checking out the snacks on the table because the Pop-Tarts were going. And I'm like, you want me to save you a Pop-Tart? I see you eyeballing the Pop-Tarts. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those look good. You know, I'm like, oh. It's I'll. cool to see, like, you know, people always ask, like, what do you – what do the what do you say to the athletes? I you just talk to them like normal people. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think the funnier you are, or like you crack a joke, it could be self-deprecating, whatever it is, that breaks the ice better than anything. Like, yeah, I, listen, it was fun. Tyler Santiago was there. He was talking to him. Papa told us happy birthday, bro. How uh, how he ate sixteen cheesesteaks in one day. Papelbon? Yeah. When he was uh, not like Tony Luke's or any of like he said Gino's his favorite cheesesteak, but it was like Clubhouse. He said they had a, like a like a chef in the clubhouse who could make cheesesteaks, sixteen of them in one day. He said um, he also you know he, he gave Tyler a little, a little compliment about you know he he was done up his you know his his, his beardage looked okay I guess is what you call it. Um, Let me ask you yeah, a question. Nice my dad asked my dad asked me this: Choose. Would uh, an NFL Pro Bowl team beat the Super Bowl team that year? If you let the Pro Bowl team play the whole year, yes. So he, the reason he brought that up was he said, Andrew, look, you're not seeing a lot of blowouts. You're not seeing a lot of really crazy games. And you're not seeing a lot of the, the typical juggernauts mm-hmm. really blow anyone out. And it's because they haven't had time to build chemistry. Yeah. And the second thing he said, and it was what you said, you got to understand, Andrew, he said, South Korea, USA, these underdog teams, they're playing for their money. Yeah. Some of those guys on the USA team, how many of them are going to go get signed now for big contracts, right? Yeah. The South Korea, the big teams, they're already signed. They're already getting their paycheck. And that's the cage effect. When someone's playing for their money, bet with them. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I think that's right. And yeah, I mean, listen, especially this time around, it's right in the middle of season, right? I mean, you know, this is not the right, it's not the usual time these guys are playing. Some of them are a little dinged up. Some people have missed some time. You know, they haven't been playing together. They haven't had a lot of practice time. So, yeah, I mean, if you gave a Pro Bowl team a whole season to gel and come together, sure. Um, you know, momentum's momentum's an amazing and thing. You give know, me your sports. two minutes with Cage on the NFL weekend. You four, five, and one in props, I think. Yeah, four and one. I was four for four in the one o'clock props. And then friggin' Jalen Waddle, and he just disappeared. You have one catch for nine yards. I don't know what the hell happened there. You, they were behind. You figured two would be throwing the ball all over the place. Nope. Burrow um, owns Mahomes. Jalen Hurts much. might be the favorite for MVP, honestly. Should be point. now. Should be now. Uh, Niners down to their third string QB. Yep. I have an idea for a Panini product release called Backup. They just do cards of backup quarterbacks. And I mean, they that's al- a cool idea. Right? Because like I w- people want to invest in Brock. Purdy, I think his name Purdy. is. Purdy. Yep. But I don't want his Iowa State stuff. I mean, so I love it. Two minutes for Cage. I love it. So my thoughts. When we started the season, 
uh, we were a couple weeks in. I said the Giants weren't as good as they looked when they were three and one, four and one. I even gave my hot take that they weren't going to win again. That didn't come true, but they are not a playoff team. I was right about that. I think they were like seven and one, seven and two, or some crazy number, and they just stink. As far as collecting goes, I stick to my guns on this, guys. It is very hard with all of the young QBs out there. It is very hard to call who is going to be the one standing at the end of the year. Um, and I continue with that. I saw the Raiders beat Justin Herbert. I love your play now a little bit more now that Herbert's at 500, a little tougher for him to make the playoffs. Um, I saw Burrow beat Mahomes. I saw Tua lose for the first time as a starter where he started and finished the game. I saw the Niners, who I called and said they were the most complete team, continue to be a complete team with that defense. That it's going to be tough with this Purdy. You know, it's going to be difficult. Not the shoot. Baker? What about Baker? He's going to get waived. I mean, if somebody gets waived, it's possible. I wouldn't I wouldn't put Baker on it. Baker makes mistakes. Okay. What makes okay. Garoppolo a great quarterback for them is you don't need him to make plays. You just can't have someone who makes mistakes. With a rookie, you think you're going to make some mistakes. And obviously, everyone hates Jimmy G, but look at his record and look at the record that they had for every other quarterback who played with the same team, basically. They make mistakes. Um, I don't know whether or not with a backup quarterback or if they could call somebody up, you know, get him off the couch. You know, somebody who retired, called Drew Brees, tell him to stop getting struck by lightning and, and suit up and come play for us. The Jets used to do that when they were down to, like, their fourth string. They used to sign Vinny Testaverde off the couch. You know, uh, they might be able to, you know, get Peyton Manning or somebody to come in and do it. But you understand what I'm saying. I still love that team. It's going to be harder now for them to win the Super Bowl. Um, the, that injury, which really sucks, that injury, um, it sucks for, obviously, Garoppolo. It makes it a lot easier for me to say Jalen Hurts and the Eagles out there because I thought the Niners with Garoppolo would have beaten them in the NFC Championship game if they would have got to head-to-head. Um, I don't trust anybody else out there in the NFC. I don't think the Vikings have it. You know, We saw the Jets probably should have come back and beaten them yesterday. And the Jets are not even that good of a team. Um, the AFC, man, on any given week, it could be the Holmes. You got Lamar got hurt. That sucks. Um, they're saying it's going to be days or weeks, not season ending. Um, you know, Huntley came in and actually won the game for them, which was good, but he's clearly a downgrade. Right. But, I mean, Mahomes is awesome. Here's my, 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 my quick, quick, quick thing on Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Joe Burrow. All right? Those guys are like Superman, right? Jo- you know, uh, uh, Josh Allen like a man of steel. Right, he's like bulletproof. He's tough. He's you name it. And and um, who's another cool one? Spider Man, right? Mahomes like Spider Man, right? Like you know, he's got the sense about him, right? He can make a play because he knows somebody's behind him. I think it's Joe a good Burrow, comp. Joe Burrow's Batman. He doesn't have superpowers. He doesn't have those abilities that these guys seem to have those superpowers. But he does everything a quarterback is supposed to do. He does it well. He's he does poised. It. That's it, man. He's just Joe Cool. Batman's Joe Cool. He doesn't have the superpowers, but he still can compete. He still can go out there. He's got the weapons. I mean, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, people laugh at me when I said T. Higgins would have been a one on the vast majority of other teams. I mean, he's got weapons out there. Their defense looks good. Um, and they play good defense against Mahomes. They have a, they have a good scheme against Mahomes. 
Um, but if they face each other week one of the playoffs, Mahomes could win. Josh Allen sure. could win. Burrow could win. I mean, any of those guys could win makes it very difficult to say. It's going to be a fun AFC playoff. Because of this. I've been saying that since before the season started. So we'll talk a little bit with Cajun on the NBA uh, show this week. But in history, it's going to go down. The Trey for Luka trade is going to be one of the worst trades ever made in history. And I've said that for a while. And you're starting to see this unravel. Trey had issues with John Collins a while ago. Uh, Now he has issues with the coach. The guy has never won anything. He couldn't win at Oklahoma. Uh, and we're seeing that play itself out. So we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about Anthony Davis is just ins- absolutely insane. Dude, double run. nickel. Uh, I don't want to make it about LeBron's legacy, but if you look at this run and the bubble run, I'm curious how that's going to be viewed as clearly LeBron isn't the best player on either of those teams. If you're being objective and I'm curious how that plays out. If you guys want to leave a comment on that cage, if you want to talk about that at all, but it's, it's really interesting to see this team only goes as far as Anthony Davis takes them versus this team only goes as far as it's LeBron will take them. We're in LeBron's 20th year. It's okay. We've been talking about how he doesn't make people around him better. And you were talking yourself about how you would have expected to see Anthony Davis take a step forward under the expert tutelage of LeBron James. So it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if LeBron was the second best player and Davis took off and LeBron helped him flourish. So, I mean, I don't think it hurts his legacy. You could say there were years where Kobe wasn't the best player on his team and won championships. Not towards the end. Touche. Great comp. Great comp. That came first and then he won. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you one last thing. And this, maybe send this to your favorite influence or whatever. Something that really is a pet peeve, and tell me if I may be wrong about this, is when you're one way on camera and a different way in public. And there's a guy who, it was the end of the show, everyone basically was gone. And I was just talking to the show organizer, just us two. And this guy's bubbly, peppy, you know, so engaging on his content. And he walks over to say thank you to the show organizer. And it's just us two. And he doesn't introduce himself, doesn't shake my hand, doesn't say hi. And that really rubbed me the wrong way. Ooh, I don't know who this is. I have to, instead of leaving it on that, I have to apologize to Ryan, card collector, too. I saw him at the show on Saturday. He was at the Pristine and Pristine, whatever, the, you know, the computer one there. And he was talking and, he, you know, he had the camera on him and the whole deal. And Ian and I were at another table looking and I didn't want to interrupt him. And I was waiting. I was going to say hello. But when he finished, I don't know if he saw me. He went the other way. And I didn't see him the rest of the day. So I didn't get a chance to, you know, say hi. If you saw me, I wasn't ignoring you, my friend. I just didn't want to interrupt what you were doing. I know you're filming and you had stuff around you. Um, I did see you. Don't take it personally. I didn't come over and say hi. I just was not trying not to get any. I figured, oh, it's early in the show. I got hours left. I'll, I'll see him again. I'll say hello. I apologize for not coming he over. He did the one day thing. And I just want to be clear about that. So I don't mean he should have introduced himself to me as Andrew from Luca Tiger LeBron. You never know who you have the opportunity of meeting. So go the extra mile and introduce yourself. Go the extra mm-hmm. inch and say, hey, you know, I'm Andrew from um, XYZ from – I'm Andrew from Lucas Tiger's Bronze. Like, nice to meet you. And and then, like, don't say hi to someone and don't don't make the introduction right there. Uh, that just rubs you the wrong way, especially when you have an online personality that shows how bubbly and peppy you are. I sometimes try to put myself into the seat of the listener. Guys, as soon as we hit stop, I'm going to ask Andrew. I want to know, who do you think he's talking about? Who do you think? Give me some guesses in the comments. Maybe a prize to the person who guesses it right. It wasn't Ryan because I think Ryan was only there for a day, so it's not him. It I wasn't Ryan, no. I, we know Ryan. Yeah. 
So that's another episode. Any topic I miss? I mean, this is your Monday no, brain dude, that, was a, that was a killer. I got to go get my kid. Uh, perfect. Uh, perfect. Um, PWCC weekly recap. Cajun was traveling today, so you're going to get that tomorrow. I actually be, been traveling too. I missed the entire weekly auction. I got a bit of FOMO, and it kind of passed. And I was like, actually, this might be okay. You don't have to be on every auction. And it gave me a little peace of mind. You know, sometimes you got to let pitches strike through, uh, some strikes through. If you guys are interested, there was an amazing interview, Patrick Bet David and Michael Saylor on the SBF case, which is just incredible. The first 30 minutes was amazing because it basically talked about the difference between security and a commodity and the, and the, the tension between the crypto community and the Bitcoin community. And it's very interesting because the I'll put it there. I'll leave it there. Go enjoy it. It just aired today live. It was an incredible conversation. If you guys are interested in markets, crypto, everything that's going on, Patrick, but David, Michael Saylor aired today. Any final words before we wrap and you go get Ian? No, I mean, listen, I didn't mention it. It was really cool seeing the Aaron Judge 60-second home run ball at Philly also. What about the picture that I posted? I didn't, that there, wasn't there. Make it doesn't matter. The 60 Dude, second, thank was, you. Was really cool. We ripped the Cage and Ian bought my dad 1991 Net Pro cards with Arthur Ashe, uh, Billy Jean King, Rod Laver, uh, and my dad opened it. It was just like a trip down memory lane, and it's just like you know ways to get in the hobby. It was just cool. Like tennis family, how do you how do you do better than give a tennis box to a tennis family to open? Right, I was like, what is this worth? And I'm like, four dollars ninety five cents. But if we meet (laughs) Billy Jean King at at the stadium, maybe she signs it. Yep. Now it's thirty-four dollars. I was like, "Wait, this one's a BGS nine-five. This one's fifty bucks." There we He's go. Like, how much does it cost? A great thirty bucks. He's like, oh. "So it just like walking him through how it all works. It was fun. That's another episode. Brain dump. Luca Nation, get that head start. Get that running start to twenty twenty-three. Block out the noise. Focus. Uh, it's going to be a big year. It's it's a year that even in a down market you could separate yourself. And I wish you guys all the best. Cage, quit, keep being a legend. So thank you all for listening to another episode of Lucas, Tigers, and Bronzo Mai. I wanted to tell you about a new service that we have starting as of today, and I'm really, really excited to bring it to you guys. So as a part of our partnership with SGC, we got 50 free submissions every single month, and many of you have taken advantage of that. And it's amazing that we could have the opportunity to 650 episodes, 675 episodes in, to go ahead and give back to our community. As people were sending those cards in, they asked, can we send 5, 10, 20 more cards to you guys? We'll pay for it, but we wanted them graded with SGC. You guys know SGC is turning cards around in 13 to 14 business days, uh, have incredible customer service, and their secondary market values are going up day after day after day. And that's exciting for the hobby and exciting for the grading landscape. So we didn't want to just rush into it. We wanted to do it right. And what we did was I relocated here to Boca Raton, Florida. I opened up a P.O. box maybe five minutes away from SGC. And I will be hand delivering and hand picking up the cards. So you don't have to worry about anyone else touching your cards. It will be me. And I will update you every step of the way. So here's how it's going to work. I'm going to personally pick up the cards from a P.O. box, prep them, new card saver, new penny sleeve, and deliver them to SGC every single Tuesday. Why Tuesday? Well, it lets the stragglers over the weekend come back through on Monday and gives me a day to prep, and it basically gives SGC the entire week to work on grading those cards. Once your cards pop, only then at the end of the process will you be paying for the service. It's $25 per card 
Simple as that. And the turnaround times have never been faster. We're hearing right now 13, 14, less than 20 business days. So there it is. 9170 Glades Road. Number 135 is the P.O. Box in Boca Raton, Florida. 33434. 9170 Glades Road. Number 135, Boca Raton, Florida. 33434. Of course, you could shoot me an email or shoot me a text anytime, and I'm always available. Many of you already have my email. It's iamandrewgoldberg at gmail.com or my cell phone number 215-519-9154. Reach out with any questions. I could walk you through the process. I've hopped on the call with quite a few of you, and I'm happy to do that. Love you, Luca Nation.